Paul said, he said, I didn't come. You know, I actually read another passage today before I came up to worship. And I thought, this is just too good. Hallelujah. Paul said this in 1 Thessalonians 1, 5, For when we brought the good news to you, it was not only with words, but also with power. For the Holy Spirit gave you full assurance that what we said was true. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let me tell you all something. Jesus doesn't anoint lies. He anoints the truth. Hallelujah. Praise God. Have you ever wondered sometimes why there's people they just can't they can't seem to get? You know, let me say it like this. The Bible says that signs, wonders, and miracles confirm the preaching and teaching of the word. So if, if there's ever preaching and teaching that it's not confirmed by power. then maybe the word that's being taught is not the true word of God. I don't know if that makes sense to you. But God, you know, you think about this. There's power. I think I've told you the story before, but T.L. Osborne, one of the great evangelists of the past, he went to uh, India, I believe, and he stood up on the stage and he was preaching. And he said, you know, in India, they were polytheistic. They, they worshiped many gods, different shrines, different temples, different gods. And he brought up a lame person, and he began to pray for him. He said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for this man in the name of Sheba. That was one of their gods. And then he went through this list of praying for all their local gods and temples and shrines, and he prayed for the man in that name. He wasn't trying to blaspheme God, but he said, now what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for this man in the name of Jesus. And he spoke to this crippled man, and he said, in the name of Jesus, and the man stood up. And guess what? Everybody that was there, thousands upon thousands, they rushed the altar to give their lives to Jesus Christ. You know, that's the thing about the gospels. The God that we serve, he's not dead. He's alive. Jesus is resurrected. He sent the Holy Ghost, who's not just a tickle or a whisper in your ear or your conscience like Jiminy Cricket. He's a real person. Hallelujah. He's tangible. The power of God is tangible. The anointing of the Holy Ghost. Many of you may experience. I know when I pray for people sometimes, I can tangibly feel like lightning run through my body. Sometimes it's so strong, I almost begin to just shake under the power of God. It's tangible. You know, you can't, Muslims can't do that. And Buddhists can't do that. Atheists can't do that. And so, power is always given to confirm the message of the gospel. Because what we preach isn't just a religion, it's the truth. And God backs it by signs, wonders, and miracles from heaven. And by demonstration of power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You say, well, is this, is this signs, wonders, and miracles? I don't know. Some of these people that, that go out under the power, they get up healed. 
Their bodies get healed. Hallelujah. Some people go down when hands are laid on them, bound in addiction. Guess what? They get up free. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. So if there's not power, then it's not the right message. Amen. I would be real concerned if we preached something for 15 years and had a church and never saw one devil get cast out. I would start wondering, maybe what I'm preaching is not the right thing. <laughs> Hallelujah. No one ever gets healed. No one ever experiences the Lord. And then how can you do, how could you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the book of Acts, the, the letters that Paul wrote? How could you read any of that? And then just have a, have a church with no power for year after year. I'm not talking like you're just getting started and you're growing and, you know, all of that. I'm talking like 15 years. You know, at what point do you step back and think maybe <laughs> something's wrong with what, what we're doing here? Hallelujah. God told Kenneth Hagin, he said, you do the preaching and I'll do the confirming. He said, preach and I confirm my word with signs, wonders, and miracles. He said for a long time he'd try to get up. I mean, you guys look at me. I'm not being charismatic right now. I'm not being funny. I might be funny looking, but I'm not being charismatic and yet, the Lord's doing, the Holy Ghost is doing this, right? I mean, it's not even about me at all. This, the Holy Ghost is doing this. But he got up and would try to make things happen, try to conjure up. People get healed, people get touched, people get set free. He would try to make it happen. And one day he went to the Lord and he was like, Lord, what am I doing wrong? He said, you preach the word and I'll confirm it. Hallelujah. And he actually said the closer that he got to the true heart and message of the gospel, the more powerful the manifestations of God became. God confirms his word. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to pick up where I left off last night. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. This morning. Go to Matthew 9, 35 through 38. I'm not going to re-preach the whole same message, but I do just want to cover a few points. Matthew 9, 35 through 38. Jesus traveled through the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing, another translation uses the word preaching there, the good news about the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. He healed every kind of disease and illness. Praise you, Lord Jesus. There you have it, preaching, teaching, healing, casting out devils. It says, when he saw the crowds, he, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. 
You know, the Lord spoke something to me in the last week, and he said that there is going to be a revival of Pentecost. I was listening to Lester Summerall. Anybody ever heard of Lester Summerall? Powerful man of God. And it, you know, he actually personally knew several of the greats, like Howard Carter. He personally knew Smith Wigglesworth. He spent a lot of time with him. And he said that when he was a young man, when he was 20 years old, the Lord sent him out all around the world, not just to preach the gospel, but to take the, the full gospel message to the nations. You know, so basically he would go to places like the Philippines or Australia or New Zealand and go into towns and villages where there was not one full gospel church. They had never heard about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They had never heard about the gifts of the Spirit. They had never heard about any of those things. And so God, guys, can you imagine that was only in the last hundred years or so. And so God was sending these people out to go and pioneer Pentecost. What is Pentecost? Acts chapter 2, ministry. You know, it's funny, but uh, he, Lester Summerall was talking about how there was a bunch of guys that were in a prayer meeting in a basement, and um, what's that town? Something, Indiana, where he was from. Does anybody know this, the town that he lived in? Big Bend, or is it South Bend, Indiana? That's what it is. South Bend. These guys were in a prayer meeting and got heard a word from the Lord to sell their cars and buy plane tickets and travel down. They were in this prayer meeting and they heard this word, this name. They had never heard the name before. Never been there, never heard of it. They pulled up a, a map and they found out that it was a major capital city on the bank of the Amazon River. Never heard of it before. The Lord gave them this name in a prayer meeting. You want to talk about faith in those days. What did these men do? They sold every, all their cars and they bought one-way plane tickets, a group of them, down to Brazil, to the Amazon, and went to this city and did what? They had no support. They had no backing. They had no church. They had no ministry sponsorship. They just sold it all and went in faith. There's been a message that I've been wanting to preach for weeks now, and the Holy Ghost just hasn't let me do it, but it's the blueprint that God gave Jesus gave the disciples when he sent them into cities. Basically, it's this. You live by faith. You go where God tells you to go, and when you go, say, when I go. Not before. When I go, God opens the door. Hallelujah. When you go, God brings the provision. You know, God moves when we move. I was listening to the late great Reinhard Bonnke recently, and he talked about that. He said, God moves, the Holy Ghost moves when we move. Many people are just sitting back waiting for some kind of sovereign move of God to do something, but the man that shook the, the nations of the earth, Reinhard Bonnke, you've never heard of him, he had crusades where over a million people got saved in one meeting. Millions of people would show up. Can you imagine? They've seen, showed pictures of of the sea. I mean, it's as far as you could possibly see over the past the horizon, as far as you could see this way, as far as you could see. Over a million people came to one event in Africa, and over a million got saved at that event. I mean, you talk about nation shaking. I was listening to him. He said that uh, this was probably close before he passed away, but 
In his lifetime, they had a record 700 million first-time salvations for Jesus Christ. 700 million. <laughs> Unbelievable. 700 million. Praise you, Jesus. Anyway, so he said that here is the key. God moves when you move. You know, and I want you to think about that. You know, I, I don't like listening to people that it's just all like theory, just a bunch of theory. If you don't have the fruit, not that you're wrong, but until you have the fruit, everything you say is just theory. Hallelujah. Listen to me. Don't, don't learn how to heal, get people healed if, if you, from somebody that's never laid their hands on the sick and watched them recover before. Because it's just theory. Maybe right theory, but until you, there's the fruit, it's just theory. You know, so when I hear people like that, I listen to what they say because this man shook the nations. This man shook the continent of Africa. And he said, the Holy Ghost moves when you move. So that means looking back at his life, he didn't have testimonies of, oh, we decided to do an event where God told us to go, and then the money just piled up as high as the ceiling, and we just went, and it was a good old time. He had testimonies of God telling him to do things that they could not afford to do. Telling him to go places where he's like, I have absolutely no funding. I have absolutely no backing. I have absolutely no way in the flesh possible to make this happen in any way whatsoever. And he saw and he learned this principle, this rule, that when he went, God then began to move. When he would show up and get boots on the ground and start working, guess what? The door would open. The provision would come. The sponsors would line up. Everything would just line up, and the Holy Ghost would begin to move when he moved. You know, so these guys went down to the Amazon River, and they just, what are we going to do? Well, I don't know. We just got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Let's just go start teaching people, preaching the gospel to people, and see what happens. And it literally birthed the revival that took place in, in Brazil. Where Brazil, at this point, and even in the past 20 years or so, Christianity, not religious Christianity, has surpassed the Roman Catholic Church. You guys think in Texas we don't have a whole lot of Roman Catholics, but I'm talking over there, it's the predominant thing. I mean, it just totally surpassed millions and millions and millions. Let me give it to you in this perspective, that in the 90s and early 2000s, a church of 20,000 was not a large church in Brazil. It was large, but it wasn't the largest. That shows you. And all of that came from a bunch of regular people that heard a name in, the, in a basement at a prayer meeting that bought a plane ticket and flew out to the Amazon. And just, what'd they do? They just started preaching the gospel. And guess what? When they went, when they went, say when they went, God opened the door for them. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Man, I wasn't planning on teaching on this, but now I feel stirred up about it. <laughs> Maybe I'll mention a little, uh, uh, just a few things to you, because I do, I want you to get it's all connected together, okay? The fire of the Holy Ghost. We just read where Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. You know, Jesus was looking out at all. you got to understand, masses of people followed him around wherever he went. Thousands and thousands. It says that he fed 4,000 on one occasion and 5,000, not counting men and women and children. I'm sorry, not counting women and children. 
So if they counted the women and children, they say there was ten to 15,000 people when he multiplied the bread and the fish. So he's walking out through the desert, and there's 15,000 people following him out there. You know, and Jesus is looking out. He's standing at a high point, and he just sees a sea of people, and it says he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he looks and says, the harvest is so plentiful. The work to be done on the earth is so great. There's so much to be done. There's so much opportunity. There's so much ground to take. There's so many cities to take. There's so many churches to plant. There's so many crusades to be had. There's so many stadiums to be packed out, Brother Tanner, that the harvest is so plentiful, but the workers are few, that there's not enough workers to actually meet the demand of the work that needs to be done on the earth. So what was Jesus' response? Pray and ask God to send workers into the field. And actually, if you read the very next chapter of Matthew 10, how did God answer that prayer? Okay, Jesus, and he just started calling on people from Brazil and and North America and, and Asia, and he just started showing up in dreams to people. Is that how God did that? No. He spoke to his son to send people out to the different cities. And Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. Every time Jesus sent out his disciples, he said, preach, teach, heal the sick, which also consists of casting out devils. Because again, many of you know this, but sometimes the person, you know, they're crippled over, and it's, arthritis may not be their problem. A devil may be their problem. And when you cast the devil out, the person goes free. Amen. Amen. Jesus saw a woman that had been crippled over for many years and said, this woman has been held in bondage by Satan for however many years it was. Was it 18 years? He identified her crippling disease as demonic oppression on her life. Amen. So then he says this in verse 5 of 10, Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go. Say go. Y'all, I want to tell you, I love, there's a young preacher. He's younger than me. He's from uh, Africa. People know him as Preacher Jay. He's traveled with Jonathan Shuttlesworth and done miracle tours of the United States. People ask him all the time, said, you know, when did Jesus call you into the ministry? And they're expecting some, like, really deep, profound encounter that he had where, you know, the heavens opened up and the angels came down blowing their trumpets or something like that. And he said he opens up his Bible at the Great Commission where it says, go and preach the gospel to all creation. And he said in his African accent, this is where God called me. This is how God spoke to me. He said, I don't have to hear another word from God when God's already given me his word. Go. Guess what? Any Whoever has faith can grab a hold of that word and go. Hallelujah. And go. Because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, and the world is full of sheep without a shepherd. So you can get a hold of this word by your faith and watch God start opening uh, opening up opportunities for you in your life. 
Y'all, I can tell you if something that we've seen in the 2020 and 2021 is churches need pastors, not hired hands that run when the sheep begin to, uh, when the wolves begin to attack the sheep. That's what a hired hand does. They need shepherds. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Communities need a voice that's a light that will speak up and stand out and teach them how to be healed and cast out devils and teach the Pentecostal fire of the Holy Ghost message. Hallelujah. And there's so many communities that don't have that. There's so many communities that are just religious. I'm telling you, the Lord told me, some of the people here, you will stay here and your assignment is intertwined with this assignment of this house, but other of, others of you, God will send you. Hallelujah. And you know what we'll do? We'll multiply. Thank you, Jesus. Revival House California, in Jesus' name. Revival House Miami, in Jesus' name. <laughs> I'm just joking, because Tanner always says, Lord, send me to Miami if you're going to send me anywhere. You go get all the hurricanes, and, and we'll be. I'll tell you what, today I was telling Chris, I was like, Lord, I love it. I love our assignment, but, man, when it's cold like this, I'm like, Key West sounds pretty good right about now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hallelujah. So Jesus said, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons, give as freely as you have received. Don't take money in your money belts. No gold, no silver, even copper coins. Don't carry a traveler's bag with a change of clothes or sandals or even a walking stick. Jesus sent them out and said, take no preparations with you whatsoever. And go. Where do you want me to go? Go to God's lost sheep. I don't think Jesus just assigned cities to them. I think that God said, he gave them instructions and said this. Don't, he told them where to not go, but he didn't necessarily tell them where to go either. He just said, don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans. What does that mean? The rest of Israel's fair game, my friends. Where do you want me to go? Hands on my map. Pick a city. Well, Lord, I'm just praying and fasting for 51 days that, you know, for my calling. No, go and preach the gospel. Can I tell you something that's even greater now is that when Jesus shed his blood, the gospel was opened up from just being only pertaining to the Jews to the whole earth. To the Africans, the South Americans, the Canadians, the Europeans, the white, the black, the, the yellow, the red, it didn't matter. To all creation, hallelujah. So he just said, go. You know why? Because it'll work anywhere. You guys believe that? The gospel will work anywhere. I'm so tired of that mindset. Well, Huntington's just too re religious. No, it's not too religious. The gospel will work anywhere that it's put to work. Hallelujah. The gospel will produce results anywhere on the earth where boots are on the ground putting it to work. Praise you, Lord Jesus. So he said, go. He told them to heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, give those as, uh, as freely as you've received. Don't take any provision with you. But then look at this. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve to be fed. Whenever you enter into a city or village, search for a worthy person and stay in his home until you leave the town. When you enter the home, give it your blessing. So think about this. Jesus said, go. And what happens when you go, your Father will open up opportunity for you there. 
Where am I going to stay? Go in faith. And when you get there in faith, you're going to begin to meet people. Some of y'all are going to catch a hold of this. Go in faith to where I've called you, and when you go, homes will open up. Properties will open up. Buildings will open up. Hallelujah. Provision will come. Money will come. The things will come. When you go, just go. And he said, don't take anything with you. Hallelujah. God moves when we move in faith. Praise you, Lord Jesus. You know, and I told you that God's, uh, there's a revival of Pentecost coming to the earth. So I was telling you these stories about how God was sending these men, like Smith Wigglesworth. You know, you have to understand, now it's just so common. People don't understand. But the Azusa Street really helped break the reestablished modern Pentecost in this country. William J. Seymour came. What was it? The baptism of the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in tongues. People had never heard that in their entire life. Signs, wonders, miracles, casting out devils. Testimonies in the Azusa Street of the glory cloud filling the room that they were in. People that had been amputees due to war. Arms growing out in front of the entire congregation. Not just healed, growing out. Growing out where there was no arm. Where there was no leg. There's a accounts a man came in with a peg leg, had got it cutting off, and the glory came, and it, it was so thick, the cloud of God's glory in the room, that Brother Seymour, he was, a, think about this too, God used a black man in a time when the world was segregated. Why did God do that? Because he uses the things that the world would call weak to confound the strong, what the world would call foolish to confound the wise. God takes pleasure in using weak vessels. Hallelujah. Humble vessels. That's why God will use children. He said the kingdom of heaven belongs to the children. In fact, you must become like a child to enter into it. Hallelujah. Look at these kids receiving. Look at these kids just totally receiving the Holy Ghost. Got no religion in them whatsoever. No religious devil that's holding them back. Just totally receiving. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And the Lord told me, so there's going to be a revival of Pentecost. And I want you to hear that word revival, and I mean it in its true sense. In the true term, it's something that once was that no longer is, but God's going to rekindle it on the earth. A rekindling of Pentecost. Because we've totally gotten away. Although the, the, the Pentecostal, and you think I'm talking about the skirts and no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, you know what the, the definition of, of Pentecost, Pentecostal is this, that you believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues and the full operation of all nine gifts of the Spirit. Does everybody believe that? Does anybody believe cessationism? Which basically is this, that the Holy Ghost does not move on the earth like he did in the book of Acts or in the Gospels of Jesus Christ. They, there's a lot of religions that do believe that. They'll read those things, and then how do they justify that Jesus did miracles and cast out devils? And everyone that he ever touched and sent out was commanded to do so. But now today, all we do is preach little 35-minute messages and send everyone home. How do you justify it? Well, we've had to come up with theologies that say... 
that was only something that was for the, the early church. That was just for the apostles, and when the apostles died, it died with them. What, where do you come up with that? That's not in the Bible. In fact, the Bible actually says that the gifts were given until the body of Christ comes into the fullness, the full revelation of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you when we'll come into the full revelation of Jesus Christ? When we're standing looking at him face to face. And until then, we're going to keep going from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. And then one day we'll be transformed and be exactly like him when he comes back. So until that happens, the gifts are still here, my friend, and working. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Most people, you know, we, they can't get miracles because they have a porn addiction and, you know, they just want to make up some excuse of why it's not happening. You know, if you were to go, and no condemnation at all, but I'm just being honest, if you were to go into some of their homes, they have an office. I've seen, I've seen some of the pastors go live, and in the back corner, there's a liquor cabinet stock, stock from top to bottom and half drinking everything. And then you're going to come up with doctrines that the Holy Ghost doesn't move today. That was for the early church. No, the Bible says he still moves. He just may not be moving through you. Hallelujah. And it's not a self-righteous thing at all. Guys, I'm telling you, the, the way that we tap into the miracle-working power of God, I'll tell you a secret here. I need to look up this verse. If you'll give me just a moment. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, Ephesians 3 19 says this. Here's the key. May you experience, say experience, the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. So Paul said, not only do you need to understand, you need to experience the love of God. And again, let me tell you something. God is not just to be mentally understood. That's why what's happening right here, what's happening when people are getting touched by the Lord, they're not just mentally understanding a, a figure that's in the Bible that we try to relate with. They are experiencing the peace of God, the love of God, the joy of the Holy Ghost. He says, may you experience the love of God, though it's too great to fully understand. Look at this. Then, say then. Then means after, not before. So once you experience the love of God, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life. And power, say power, that comes from God. So give me, I'll give you two keys here. You know what the key to the power of God is? Experiencing the love of Christ. What does that mean? For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. While we were still sinners, Christ 
died for us and gave his life up for us. What's the key to the power of God? Miracles? Understanding and not understanding. Experiencing God's love, which is what? For the lost, number one. You know, it's so easy to knock on a door. And, and you're not sitting there trying to fish around and, ho oh, oh, ho, I'm having a hard time communicating. When you look at the person that you're talking to and you're so moved that you understand it doesn't matter what they've done. God loves this person. Man, God wants this person. I'm so convinced God wants this person healed because of his love. God wants this person risen up. God wants this person out of the bed of sickness. God wants this person blessed. God wants this person touched. And Paul said that's the key to the power of God. Your faith rises that, well, maybe he will, maybe he won't. Let's put my hand on you and shut up, let's see what happens. No, you're so convinced that God is going to touch that person because he loves them so much. And then when your faith joins that, that revelation, you see miracles, you see power, you see people getting touched. And then it says experiencing the love of God is also the key to the fullness of life. Say the fullness of life. What does that mean? That means you. Paul said the key to living a full life on this earth is experiencing the love of Christ. How much God loves you. If if you'll experience it, not just understand it, experience how much God loves you, you'll live a full, 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 full life on this earth. Your faith will be set every time for every bill to be paid. Your faith will be set every time that it's impossible that provision's not coming through. Hallelujah. Your faith will be set every time. It's impossible. Tragedy's not my portion. Mishap's not my portion. Snares in the road's not my portion. And I'm so convinced because of God's love for me as his child. If you'll experience the love of God, Paul said, then, say then, not before. You have to experience it first. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord Jesus. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. I've said it to you, and I'm going to keep saying it to you as long as the Holy Ghost would have me. But, guys, coming to these meetings in this church is a dangerous thing for you to do. It's a dangerous thing for you to do. The reason for it is that there's just not that many people on the earth that know what you know. There's not that many people on the earth that have running through their veins what you have running through your veins, what you have driving your spirit what you have set in front of your eyes, what you're going at. I'm telling you that the impartation, the, the, the knowledge, everything that you receive, and it's not anything to do with me. I'm telling you what God's doing here. It's a dangerous thing. It puts you in position to be used greatly by God. Yeah. Hallelujah. So let me tell you, if you don't want to be used greatly by God, you better just stop coming to these meetings. He said, no, I don't want to be sent, Lord. I don't want to go. I don't want to do that. I don't, you know, I'm not interested. I'm going to tell you, if that's you, I love you, but you better stop coming. (laughs) There's an old saying, you sit in a barbershop long enough, you're going to get a haircut. Hallelujah. (laughs) 
You keep coming to these meetings, the, you're going to get the fire of the Holy Ghost. You're going to get it driven on the inside of you. You're going to be able to sniff out a devil a mile away. Most ministers can't do that. Most ministers couldn't identify the Antichrist if he was smacking them right upside the head, staring them right in the eyes, wouldn't know it. What was that? I have no idea. Standing right in front of you. But something happens when you get revelation. And the Lord told me, he said, there's just not, you know, the Lord told this to me as well. I'm not speaking prematurely. I'm just telling you because it pertains to you. God told me uh, in the last month or so, he said, very soon I'm going to open up more doors for you to travel and preach. And I said, Lord, I love my assignment. I'm not, I'm not you know, I, I'm not one that ever goes to places trying to kiss up to other people because I'm hoping to get an opportunity. I don't need doors open to preach. I have a church. I can preach as much as I want, and I do. <laughs> we preach. We have services like every day here now. Hallelujah. So I'm really not looking. I'm not looking for places to just go around and preach, and I told the Lord that. Like, Lord, I'm, you know, we're pretty happy. We, we like what we're doing. And the Lord said, yes, I understand, but there is a people, there are sheep without a shepherd that need what I've given you. And I'm not, it's not just pertaining to me. This pertains to you in this room. There are people in the earth that need, not just, oh, it would sure be nice if I'm used by God. No, the Lord says that this is the hour. You need to get your boots strapped up and ready to run because there's a world, there's a generation, there's cities that need what is on the inside of you. Hallelujah. There's devils that need to be cast out. And there's no one within 50 miles to do it, to say yes to God. You know, when me and my wife came here, I asked the Lord, I'm, I'm a young man, I'm not even from here, and I said, Lord, why did you bring me all the way down here to do this? It just doesn't make sense. And the Lord told me one time, and I mean, it was just true. He said, you weren't my first choice. <laughs> really, and it, it's not trying to be funny, but it's true. He said, actually, to be honest with you, there was, there was several others before you that I asked to do this work. I've tried to give them this mantle. I've tried to give them this ministry. I've tried to get them to do this work, and they all said no. And I said, Lord, what makes me so special? He said, you're not that special. You just said yes. <laughs> and I, I know about a year ago when he told me that, I didn't understand because we, we were having revival meetings and stuff. But other than doctrine and what we were standing and, and believing for, I, was, I didn't understand. But now seeing what we're doing, what we're, what we're running forward with, I see the mantle that he was talking about. You know, I don't know if... We're not just doing meetings. It's a, it, we are revival house. Hallelujah. You know, again, Isaiah 20, 20, uh, 22, 22 talks about the keys of David. The Lord said, I'll open a door for you that no man can shut. So when you think about this, when God opens a door in the Bible, that there's, there's no amount of work in the flesh that could compare to the open door of the Lord. When God opens up a door, there's revival in that place. When God opens up a door, the provision comes in. The harvest comes in. The flood comes in when God opens up a door from heaven. When the Lord gave us this revelation, he told Peter, I'll build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it, and I give you the keys. Hallelujah. 
What keys? The Isaiah 22, 22 keys of David. What does that mean? God doesn't just open the door for his church. He gives us the key. You know what that means? Everywhere that you go, there's revival. Everywhere that your foot hits the ground, revival has hit the ground when your foot hit the ground. We got to start believing that. We've got to start walking that out and with that reality that when I show up in my neighborhood, I'm not praying for God to send revival. I'm the answer to that prayer for revival in my neighborhood. Where my foot hit the ground, I hold the keys. That means I have the open door where I go. That is the heart of what we're doing. We're training people up and we're sending them. Some of you, your assignment, where am I being sent? That doesn't mean that you're going to move across the nation. Some of you just being sent to Lufkin, to Zavala, places in Angelina. But some of you will be sent out. Hallelujah. To the ends of the earth. Missionaries in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. So I'm going to take just a moment. Can I have just another one of your moments here, your minutes here? Is that okay? Two moments, okay. So, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. Pray for God to send workers into the field. I want to just go over this. So that's what we're doing here. Before you can be a minister, you must be baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire. If you're not, you cannot be a true preacher of the word of God. 1 Corinthians 4.20, Paul said, the kingdom's not just talk, it's power. It's power. Hallelujah. Power, say power. Hallelujah. So in order to preach the gospel, there must be power. There must be demonstration of power. Amen. I want to show you this. And and in fact, in Acts 1, I went over this briefly this morning, but before the disciples could start their ministry, Jesus said in Acts 1-4, wait in Jerusalem until you receive the gift. The gift. Say the gift. Being baptized in the Holy Ghost is the promise of the New Testament. Not one of the promises, it's the promise of the New Testament. Everything else will stem from that promise. Hallelujah. Well, I thought being prospering was a promise. You're dang sure it is, but it'll stem from being baptized in the fire and the Holy Ghost. You want to talk about prosper, you'll you'll never prosper like you ever dream until you get baptized in the fire and the Holy Ghost. Man, you start talking in tongues, that's part of it. We'll talk about that. But you, let me just tell you this. It says that, that the Lord, all the silver and gold belongs to the Lord. The Lord owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The Lord, the eyes of the Lord roam across the earth. He knows where your blessing is. <laughs> he knows where your harvest is. Guess what happens? He said what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, what you lose. So in order for it to be loosed, it has to come out of our mouth. What happens if I don't know where it is? I can begin to pray in other tongues and the Holy Ghost will go out. The eyes of the Lord knows where that harvest is and start grabbing it and bringing it right back to me. Hallelujah. 
I mean, the, the possibilities are truly infinite when you understand everything, your blessing, your healing, everything in life will stem from being baptized in the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Praise God. Man, every day I pray in tongues, the Holy Ghost is just loosing. He's using my tongue to loose the promises of God in my life and to bind the devil. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so, he said, wait until you receive. So say, wait. They could not. Think about the Great Commission. Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teach these new disciples to obey everything that I've commanded you. In Acts 1.8, he said, you'll receive power when the Holy Ghost comes on you. You'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Before they could go to Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, they had to first receive the promise, which was being baptized in fire and the Holy Ghost. So here's my point. Before God can ever send you, you must get the fire. As I was preaching about this sending, that God's going to use people, something on the inside of you began to stir, and it's, you, you, you've caught a glimpse of the destiny that the Lord's laid up for your life, saying, that sounds like me. Hallelujah. That sounds like he's talking about me. I've heard those things. I've felt those things. He's talking about me when he says that. But before that can be you, you must be baptized in the fire and in the Spirit of God. So before, say before. And then, as well, before Jesus could ever start his ministry, he was water baptized, the Spirit came upon him. He never did a miracle until after he was baptized in the Spirit. Amen. So I want to show you this in Luke 3.16, and I'm going to give you six points. I'm going to go through tonight. This is a carrying over from this morning. I'm not going to spend time to re-preach the whole message again if you weren't here. Luke 3.16 says this. John answered their question by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. Who is he talking about? Jesus. So much greater I'm not even worthy to be a slave or untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with, number one, the Holy Spirit and, say and. When you read the New King James, that little word is right there, and. You read the King James, that word is still smack dab right there, and. He will baptize you with two things. That means that there was two separate things, the Holy Ghost and, say and, fire. So the Lord told me there's many Christians that have been saved, but they've never received the promise. Paul modeled that in Acts 19. He found several believers who had been water baptized but had never received the Holy Ghost. You can be a believer and go to heaven and say, well, I, you know, well, that's, that's all, I don't know. I'm not going to get into all that. But let me just say this. You, you could have prayed the prayer of faith to receive Christ and not be baptized in the Holy Ghost. You must be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Even after you pray that prayer. Hallelujah. Acts 19, Paul dealt with that specifically. Um, but then let's take it to the next level. The Lord told me that there's many who have prayed the prayer of salvation, who have been baptized in the Holy Ghost, but they don't have the fire. Because there was two things there. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and, say and, with fire. 
So the Lord said that there's people that talk in tongues all day long, but they don't have the fire. You need both. Hallelujah. What is the result? Let's just go over this really quick. What's the result of both baptisms? What happens when you get baptized in the Holy Ghost? You pray in other tongues. That's the initial evidence that you've received it. Amen? In Acts chapter 2, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. They began speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave them this ability. Acts 10, preached to the, to the Gentiles at Cornelius' home, filled with the Holy Ghost, began prophesying, speaking in tongues. Acts 19, the same thing. Mark 16, 17, Jesus said, these signs will follow those who believe. One of those signs, they'll speak in new languages. Okay, so what's that? that is the initial fruit of being baptized in the Holy Ghost, is speaking in tongues. So what's the fruit of being baptized in fire? Acts 1.8. You will receive power. Say power. power. Say power. power. Say power. power. You will receive power when the Holy Ghost comes on you. Praise you, Lord Jesus. And you'll be my witness telling people about me everywhere, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Hallelujah. Say power. That word power in the Greek is the word dunamis. It means dynamite. So the Lord said that there's many people that can talk in tongues, but they don't have dynamite. They don't have dunamis. They don't have the fire. Hallelujah. They can go in their prayer closet and and be great, but when they stand before men, there's no boldness. There's no authority that's commanded in their voice. Devils don't obey them because they don't have the power of the Holy Ghost, which comes in the fire. Hallelujah. Say firepower. The Lord wants to give you firepower. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Firepower in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. One of the results of the fire, say fire, is a boldness. After the meeting, this is Acts 4, 31. After the meeting place shook, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Say boldness. Praise you, Lord Jesus. You know, and the thing is, is that these two things are meant to be received together. In Acts 2, they received the fire. They were baptized in the fire and the Holy Ghost in the same event. It said tongues of what? Fire came and settled on each of them. Praise God. Okay, so I'm going to just go over this. I'm going to give you these six points. Number one, there are two baptisms, say two, and you need both. Now, there's obviously three baptisms. There's water baptism. But I'm talking about, it pertains to this message. There are two baptisms, and you need both. Number one, fire. Say fire. What do you get when you get the fire? Say power. Say dynamite. And then spirit. Say spirit. Second baptism, the baptism of the spirit. What's the manifestation that you've been baptized in the spirit? You speak in other tongues. 
And I don't know where this doctrines came from. Well, you know, you can be baptized in the Holy Ghost. You don't have to speak in other tongues. Again, that's just making people feel comfortable that they don't want to do it. Or you're, the, the minister's too afraid to do it publicly. Okay, you know what? We're going to pray for people. and okay. They're afraid to do it publicly for it to be heard. So we make these goofy doctrines. Well, okay, you know what? Let's just kind of, that's an uncomfortable element. Let's throw it out. So what we're going to do is you can still receive the Holy Ghost, even though there's no manifestation of it at all whatsoever in your life, but we'll just believe, you know, okay. No. They spoke in tongues when they were baptized in the Holy Ghost. You say, well, I don't like that. Well, there was no other initial evidence mentioned in the Scripture other than that every time. Amen. That's point number one. There's two baptisms. You need both in order to be a witness. Jesus said, go and wait until you receive these two things. Then you'll be sent. Hallelujah. And then when you go, let me tell you, the gates of hell will not stand against you. Because you'll have the Holy Ghost. You'll have all the nine gifts of the Spirit. You'll have the voice on the inside of you that will lead you. Because as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. And you'll have my anointing power, declares the Lord. Where these signs will follow you, you'll cast out devils. You'll lay your hands on the sick and they shall recover. Hallelujah. You'll speak in new languages. You'll tread on serpents and scorpions. You'll drink anything poisonous that won't harm you. I know many tongue-talking Christians love the Lord. They don't have the power. They don't have dynamite. The Lord told me, he said, everywhere you go, you are to bring the fire. Everywhere. And he said, I don't care what I'm having you preach on. You preach it with the fire. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. We could be talking about the nativity story. And oh my, I'm going to preach it with the fire of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And he was born in a cave. No, I'm <laughs> Hallelujah. But I mean, really, everywhere that you go, bring the fire of the Holy Ghost. Number two, you must have both. Say both. That means be baptized with the fire and the spirit before you can be a minister of Jesus Christ. Say before. You don't need a Bible college degree. I've been through Bible college. I have one, and I want to tell you, you don't need that. 99% of everything that I know I did not learn in Bible college. And it's really sad, and I'm going to be honest with you. Again, I'm not speaking from somebody that didn't go. I did. And I got a, a their, their two-year degree, and I started on my third year, and I just realized this is so dumb. I'm taking classes about being a youth pastor when I'm already a youth pastor. Hallelujah. You're teaching theory, and I'm over here doing it. So this just doesn't make sense to me at that point in my life. You know, and, I, and that's what I, you know, we kind of saw that. And again, there's no condemnation, but that's not the model. Is that you go through Bible college and you get in with the right people and you come out of Bible college, never have any ministry experience whatsoever and be appointed as a dean, be appointed as a, you know, somebody in charge of training up Bible college students. It's like I love you to death. 
But I don't want to hear about your theories of pastoring a church if you've never pastored a church. You don't know anything about pastoring a church if you've never pastored a church. I don't want to hear your theories about healing the sick or winning the lost or casting out devils if you've never cast out a devil. Hallelujah. So you don't need that. You need the fire and the power of the Holy Ghost. Praise you, Lord Jesus. And I'm telling you, if you get that, you will, you will put yourself in an elite class of people. Because I'll repeat what I said. There's not enough people on the planet that have it right now. There's a lot of high-sounding very persuasive language, the high philosophies that are used in the body of Christ, and there are some that carry it, but the, it's a remnant of people that really operate from the power and the fire of the Holy Ghost. Revival ministry is not a common ministry. Hallelujah. So, say before. Point number three. I want you to hear this. The Spirit and fire is given to be a minister. So you shall receive power, Acts 1.8, when the Spirit comes on you. And what? You shall be my witness telling people about me everywhere. Can I tell you something? God only anoints his witnesses. God does not anoint us with the, with the Holy Ghost. And I, I'll go so far to say this. He won't. If it's nothing more than a parlor trick to us, if it's not holy, God will not anoint you to shake cities while we just sit in our lazy boy chairs and don't go after the harvest and don't go after the lost. The anointing, the power, you'll receive power to do what? To be my witness. Hallelujah. So I want to tell you this. What I'm talking about tonight, you cannot receive it from the Lord until you determine in your heart to be a witness for Jesus Christ. If you will determine in your heart that I'm going to be a witness and a Christian that is a minister of the gospel, you will see the power of God fill your life. Hallelujah. If you'll make souls number one, where you go after the lost every day, you will experience and receive the power and fire of the Holy Ghost because it's only to be a witness and a minister. Now I'm going to take it to the next level here and tell you this, that all believers are to be ministers of the gospel. Amen. Ephesians 4.11, it says the fivefold ministry, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the teacher, the pastor, those gifts are given to equip the saint. Say the saint. Who's the saint? You're the saint. I'm the saint. All of us. To equip the saint for the work of the ministry. Wow. So the saint is to be equipped. That means supplied to do the work of the ministry. And the edification of the body of Christ. Every say, every believer is to be a minister. That means, say, that means every believer must be baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire. Hallelujah. Mark 16, 17, these signs will follow them that who? Believe. Who's that talking about? You. It's talking about me. It's not just talking about pulpit preachers. It's talking about anybody that would call themselves a believer. These signs will follow after you. You'll cast out devils. 
Hallelujah. You can't cast out devils without the power and the fire of the Holy Ghost. So that means it's for everyone. Hallelujah. Okay, I want you to write this down for point number four. I have two more left. Jesus baptizes, not us. In Luke 3.16, I already mentioned it, but I'm going to turn back to it. John the Baptist said this. He said, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming who is greater than me, than I am. So much greater, I'm not even worthy to be a slave and untie straps of his sandals. He, say he. Who? Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Who baptized them in the upper room? He did. Was he there? No, he was in heaven already. He had already ascended. Peter didn't lay hands on anyone in the upper room. They were praying. And guess what? God, Jesus from heaven, baptized them with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So here's my point in saying that. Jesus baptizes you, not us, not a person. So here's my point. I cannot just line you up and say, this is my gift to give to you, and when I lay my hands on it, you get it. No ifs, ands, or buts. It's not even mine to just give to you. Jesus gives it to people. Hallelujah. What does that mean? That you have to get hungry, you have to get thirsty, it's not something that can be manipulated, it's not something that can just be falsely created, you have to get desperate, and I'm going to tell you, when you get to that point, and you get desperate for Jesus to touch you, to brand you, to give you the fire, he'll give it to you, and you'll never be the same again for the rest of your life. He'll touch you. Was it Jacob who wrestled with the angel? He'll touch you. Jacob walked with a limp for the rest of his life. I don't mean you're going to walk around hurting. Here's my point. When God touches you, it marks you for the rest of your life. It changes the way that you walk. When he touches you, it will change the way that you walk. That for the rest of your days, you'll have something different in your walk and in your step. And it's the power. Say the power. It's the fire of the Holy Ghost. Jesus is the one that baptizes. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's why I'm telling you that that you could come up and get hands laid on you a thousand, thousand times. But I want to tell you this as well. Going out in the Spirit is not the same as being baptized in the Holy Ghost. You know why people can, people can fall out under the power of God? And why is it? Because it's the anointing touching them. But that's completely separate. That's completely different than receiving fire, dunamis, directly from Jesus Christ. Because I've seen it. There's many people that go out under the power. They don't get up with dunamis. They get up with a cool touch, a good touch from the Lord. They get up with a, with a deeper touch from the Lord. They get up with a clean heart. They get up. All of those things are wonderful, but they don't get up with dunamis, with dynamite. You can see it in someone's eyes. Let me tell you, there is no introvert that carries dynamite. 
I'm an introvert. No, no, there is no. It's dunamis. It's dynamite. It's explosive. It's fire. It's power. Hallelujah. And it changes everyone, whether you're a tax collector, whether you're a fisherman, whether you're a, you're a theologian, it doesn't matter. Whether it was Paul, whether it was Peter, whether it was Levi, the fire changes everyone that it touches. Hallelujah. Boldness comes into your life. To preach the gospel with boldness. That shame that you feel for the things of God. If any of you feel that, I feel ashamed. I feel ashamed to speak in tongues in front of my family. That shame is burned out by the fire. You know, there's so many things that you don't, we just try to counsel out of, counsel out of people. You can't counsel out a demon. You can't counsel out addiction. Well, I went through AA, and you know what? I repeat for the rest of my life, hi, I'm an alcoholic. No, you're not. You know, I got kicked out of the 12-step program for teaching the fire of the Holy Ghost. You know why? It wasn't theory. I was addicted. I was addicted to all kinds of things. And it broke off of my life in a split second when the fire of the Holy Ghost filled my being. It burned it out. I want to tell you again, you don't have to struggle with nicotine addiction. You don't have to struggle with smoking. You don't have to struggle with drinking. You don't have to struggle with any of that. There is no struggle. Just receive the fire of the Holy Ghost, and it will burn you. It'll burn it out of you from the inside out. Hallelujah. Jesus baptizes people, not us. Now, Jesus can use us. But again, it's not contingent upon the person that's praying for you. Jesus examines your heart. And if you're hungry, if you're thirsty, if you're desperate. You know, Dr. Rodney Howard Brown, the one that really helped birth the joy and all of that in the 90s, his story was he was a religious boy. And he said that he got a part of this group that went around singing and preaching the gospel, but it wasn't like this type of preaching. You know, it was just religious type preaching. And he got in the back of a bus, and he began to cry out to God. He got so hungry. He got so desperate, so thirsty. He began to just cry out to God, Jesus, fill me, fill me, fill me. He said he was just screaming out at the back of the bus. There was a kid full, a bus full of kids. He said, I didn't care what I sounded like. I didn't care. I just got so desperate. I needed Jesus to fill me and to touch me. And he said he just kept screaming and crying out and crying out and crying out until the Lord poured out the Spirit of God upon him and filled him with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And his ministry was birthed as a young man. No one laid hands on him. No one said, here's my prophet's anointing and imparted it. Jesus baptized him from heaven. Hallelujah. Point number five, when you get it, it will change everything. Hallelujah. It'll change the way you talk. It'll change the way you walk. It'll change the way you preach. And you've got to get desperate. You've got to get hungry. You've got to get undignified. You know, you, you, the, you become a different breed of person 
When you get radically on fire for Jesus Christ and don't give two poos what anybody thinks about it, you become a powerful, powerful instrument in the Lord's hand. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. When you get it, it will change everything. I've told you all my testimony of when I was, I remember when I was 16, I, I was baptized in the Holy Ghost, fire. No one laid hands on me for it. I said it this morning, but it's true. I was 10 rows back at a youth camp. There was actually a minister named David Hall, Australian evangelist. He's connected to Dr. Rodney Howard Brown's ministry now, and I didn't know any of that. I didn't know who any of these people were. It's just amazing how God <laughs> brings ties everything together. It's amazing. But, you know, he was preaching, and I, I went up and responded 10 rows back. Power of God, he laid his hand on the first kid, and a wave went off through the room. The wave was so powerful, it knocked me off of my feet, 30 feet away from the platform. No catchers, no ushers, nothing like that. Just flat, flat on my back. I'll tell you, if you fall, you know, back in the olden days, there wasn't catchers, so I hear. <laughs> if you fell, it better be the Holy Ghost. How do they know it's the Holy Ghost? Well, if you got up and you weren't hurt, then it was God. <laughs> One time we were having a youth event in here, and I was praying. There was like, I don't know, 50 kids lined up across the front of this room. And I started praying for the kids. I prayed for Reagan. Nothing happened. Just went on, kept praying. Next thing I know, I hear, boom, hit the ground. And I look, and she had just totally fell out, head bounced off the concrete. No catcher. Just boom, that was her head bouncing off the concrete. And I was like, oh, my gosh. About to resurrect somebody from the dead in here. She got up fine. Hallelujah. No headache. No, you know, broken neck, what most people would probably think. Cracked skull, none of that. Hallelujah. You know, when I did, though, when I saw Jesus when I was 20 years old, his presence is fire. You know, it's literally like, have you ever stood next to like a bonfire and you can only go so close and it's painful? You know, it's like we've tried having bonfires with the kids and roasting marshmallows and we got the fire way too hot and the sticks way too short that it's miserable I mean you're literally trying to roast a marshmallow and your face is like melting and you're like this is horrible you know you just stick the marshmallow like three feet away from the fire and it's so hot that it just burst into flames before it even touches the fire but that's how it was that when Jesus in this, this encounter that I had, that he came walking up to me in a room. And it was like that fire, but it didn't hurt. But it, I couldn't escape. I couldn't get away from it because he just got closer and it just it felt like walking right into the intensity of that fire without being burned. But it was his holy presence. You know, whenever that happened... And I've told you all the story. He touched my mouth. He spoke to me. He said, who will go take this message to this generation? I said, here I am, Lord, send me. He touched my mouth. That marked my life forever. When you encounter the fire, what's the fire? It is his presence. His presence is the fire. 
that Moses encountered God at a burning bush. It looked like it was on fire, that God led them by the night by a flame of fire in the wilderness. In the book of Revelations, his eyes are like flames of fire. The fire is the holy presence of God. When the holy presence of the Most High God that has no darkness in him, the most powerful, pure substance that you could imagine in the universe, touches your life and touches your being and touches your heart and fills you from the inside out, you cannot be the same. I don't want to ever hear anybody that says things like, oh, yeah, you know, I had a vision and I saw Jesus, but then, you know, they're still struggling with pornography or something. You must have not have seen the same guy. I mean, and I'm not saying you'll just never make a mistake the rest of your life. What I'm saying is it changes everything. You cannot experience. I mean, even me saying that, my hand right now is just throbbing. When I go to pray for people, I feel the anointing and the fire of God in my left palm. And I just feel the fire of God just just talking about him. It changes everything. Hallelujah. Addiction. Insecurity, fear, intimidation, all of that isn't something to be counseled through. It burns out of you when you receive the fire of the Holy Ghost. Get hungry. Get thirsty. He said, those who seek will find. Those who knock, the door will be open. Ask and you shall receive. Hallelujah. Ask God, give me this fire that he's talking about tonight, Lord. My last point is this, it's not a one-time occurrence. Acts 4.31. Receiving the fire of the Holy Ghost is not one and done. It's not something you just get when you're 10 and then you live and run the rest of your life. In Acts 4, Peter and John, I believe it was John, let me see. Peter and John, yes, were captured. They were taken into captivity. They were questioned about what they were doing and the revival and everything that was happening. And so they were finally set free, and they went and they met with the other believers, and they began to pray. I want you to skip down to Acts 4.30. They said, stretch out your hand with healing power. May many miraculous signs and wonders be done through your name of your holy servant, Jesus. After the prayer, the meeting place shook, And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Guys, these were the same people that were in Acts 2. These were the same people at Pentecost. So they had already been filled with the Holy Spirit one time. Correct? Peter had already had the Holy Ghost. He already preached to thousands and multitudes and was healing the sick and doing signs, wonders, and miracles. But what does that tell you? There's a refreshing. There's a fresh outpouring. The fire is not something you just catch one time. It's something you must revisit in your life frequently. Hallelujah. That's why it's so important to come into these meetings like this that we're doing every day and just get in the river. Every day get refreshed. Every day get refined. Every Every day, I'm about to read you, fan into flame the gift that God put on the inside of you. Paul told that to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.6, and I'll close with this. Second Timothy 1.6. Paul said, 
That is why I remind you to fan into flame. Man, God, you know, that wasn't just a cute illustration. Paul understood this concept of the fire of God. Baptized in fire. Fan into flame the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Hallelujah. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of what? Power. Say power. power. Not a spirit of fear and timidity. So apparently when Paul laid his hands on Timothy, he received the fire, the power, the gift, the Holy Ghost. And what happened? It, it, it removed fear, it removed timidity, and it gave him power. Say power, love, and self-discipline. The fire changes everything. Hallelujah. Maybe some of you, you've received the fire. We'll fan it into flame tonight in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everybody stand to your feet in this place. Ramba baraka rishiti haramba barishiti karaba para barahiti aramama. Hannah, come on up here to the front. Ramba barishiti karaba barona na de te harapapa. Right now, the fire of the Holy Ghost, right now, in Jesus' name. The fire of the Holy Ghost, right now, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Fresh fire from heaven. Fall now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 Come on, somebody. Praise the Lord in here. Hallelujah. 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 Get hungry, get thirsty. The Lord's going to brand you with the fire of the Holy Ghost tonight. Your walk is changing. The way you walk is going to look different after tonight. This is good right here. The way you walk is going to look different after tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Press in right now. Press in right now. Everybody that would like hands laid on them for fire from the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. You say, I've determined to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Therefore, power shall come upon me, and I'll be a witness for him. Come up to the front and let me just pray for you. Y'all press in, press in, press in, press in right now. The Lord is changing people's lives tonight. You'll never walk the same again. Never look the same again in Jesus' name. Never the same again. Hallelujah. I feel the anointing of God in this place so strong. Oh. <laughs> Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Come on, press in. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Jesus, 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 the fire of the Holy Ghost right now. Fire right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Praise God. <laughs> Do you also want prayer? I'll give you the testimony as soon as we're done with this. Fire in Jesus' name. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Top of your head, soles of your feet right now. Hallelujah, right now. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 Get desperate, get hungry, get hungry. God's given you a boldness, a boldness, a boldness. Hallelujah. Boldness in Jesus' name. Boldness in Jesus' name. Boldness in Jesus' name. Boldness in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, press in. You got to get desperate. You got to get hungry. You have to get thirsty in this place. Hallelujah. Fire in Jesus' name. Fire in Jesus' name. Fire in Jesus' name. Top of your head, soles of your feet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Fire, fire, fire. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Strengthen his spirit right now, Lord. Strengthen his spirit right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Touch these people, Lord, with your fire power. Hallelujah. You believe you're going to receive something from the Lord. You believe you're going to receive something from the Lord. Is your expectation high in this place? Is your expectation high in this place? You will have what you expect, the Lord declares. You'll have what you say. You'll have what you believe. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you come in with no expectation, then you shall exceed, receive exactly what it is that you expect. But if you come in here saying, Lord, I'm believing for a supernatural touch from the Lord Jesus Christ himself, you shall receive what you set your faith for. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, thank you for fire right now in Jesus' name. Fire right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Fire in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is anybody else that I haven't prayed for? In Jesus' mighty name. The fire of the Holy Ghost. Right now, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Lord. The anointing is so strong. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> Come on, y'all. Praise the Lord in this place. Praise the Lord in this place. Hallelujah. Come on. Woo. Hallelujah. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Lord, let it carry over into his ministry and the school. Hallelujah. 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 The Lord says you will not preach quietly. You'll preach with boldness. You'll preach with boldness even in this school. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Woo. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Touch them, Lord, right now, even with your Holy Ghost, right now. Touch them, Lord. Touch them, Lord. Touch them, Lord. Touch them, Lord. 
Touch them, Lord. Touch them, Lord. Hallelujah. Touch them, Lord, right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Touch them with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Just fan it in the flame right now. Fan it in the flame, Lord. Fan it in the flame. Fan it into flame in this place in the mighty name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Come on. Take cities, Lord, even with these kids. Take cities, Father. We're going to take cities even with these kids. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Brother Tanner, step up. The Lord says, <laughs> we round with the keys, but the Lord says this. I just prophesy it. I see it so clear in my spirit. A great outpouring, a youth revival. A youth revival. A true, a true, a true youth revival. Hallelujah. With the floods coming in, the harvest coming in, the multitudes coming in. Hallelujah. The Lord says the grace, you have it now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God in this place. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord says. Hallelujah. Okay, hold on. I got up here to just totally dismiss, and then I just said, the Lord says. Praise 
The Lord says, see if I won't use plumbers. See if I won't use electricians. See if I won't use what the, what the world would call foolish to confound the wise. Hallelujah. See if I won't use what the world calls small to confound the great and the large, declares the Lord. And the Lord declares, he says, for you have entered into the, the kingdom era, the era of the kingdom. And in this time, you will see that the smallest shall become the largest, just like the mustard seed. It shall become the largest plant in the whole garden, even though it was birthed from the smallest seed, declares the Lord. Hallelujah, the Lord declares that the gospel and the fire of the Holy Ghost will spread like yeast that permeates an entire batch of dough. The Lord says, I'm touching all seven spheres of society. Hallelujah, the Lord's touching education. He's touching media. He's touching government. He's touching religion in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, there's a Pentecostal revival coming to the religious church, coming to the Baptist church, coming to the Methodist church and the Catholic church. Hallelujah. It's coming to the Reformed church. It's coming to the seeker-sensitive church, declares the Lord. Touch them, Lord, with the Holy Ghost. Touch them, Lord, with the Holy Ghost. Touch them, Lord, with the Holy Ghost. The Lord says, see if I won't do something new. Hallelujah. The world may call it new, he says, but it's not new at all. No, everything has been done. There's nothing new under the sun. He said it will not be new as created, but it will be a rebirth and a true revival, declares the Lord. A true revival, declares the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. America shall be saved in Jesus' name. The church of America shall not remain asleep and it shall not remain dead, but it's waking up in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. And the Lord's going to do it just through places just like this that are going, that are believing, that are contending and fighting the fight of faith for a move of the Spirit of God to take place in our country and in our nation. The Lord says, you shall see it. Your efforts will pay off. That do not grow weary in well-doing, for you shall reap a harvest of blessing if you do not give up, declares the Lord. Hallelujah. Harvest time. The harvest is plentiful. He said the harvest is plentiful right now, but yet, but yet, you have not even entered into harvest time, and the harvest is plentiful. There is a moment, there is an awakening that will happen in the hearts of unbelievers, the Lord says, where the unbeliever becomes suddenly hungry for the things of God, where a generation that hates the things of God, overnight you'll see a shift where they become hungry for the things of God, searching for answers, desperate for the anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost. And he says it's in that moment that in just a second you'll see the smallest become the largest and the kingdom permeate and spread through through all seven spheres of society, declares the Lord. Hallelujah. The devil's time is running out. The devil's time is running out. The devil's time is running out, declares the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Rambariki karababa reshika da de de randarada de shikana barokanama ikera da de di aramama rukanara ba sarababa rika rokora shi diaraba rama barede rambari di 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 arababa rashiti rambariki di 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 shiki arokaramama sata Hannah stand up I want you to prophesy Like a fire shut up in your bones, you will not be able to contain it. You will sit down to have a normal conversation and it just it won't happen. It will the the word of the Lord will just come out of you and you won't be able to stop it. Generations will be saved through your obedience. Your families will come to the Lord. Those who think they know God will find God through you, through the fire shut up in your bones. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> 